Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. In three, two, one. Seven things you really ought to know about the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm Olivia Davis, and this is the Smarter Seven. Joining me on this episode are Aman Aiton, an anti-racism activist, and Kayende Andrews, a professor of Black Studies at Birmingham City University. In 2020, following the brutal murder of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police, protesters were demanding change, chanting these three simple words. Black Lives Matter! Amongst other demands, protesters wanted an end to police brutality. But that's not actually where the movement starts. That voice that you just heard chanting? That's our guest, Iman Aiton. So the Black Lives Matter movement originated in the USA in 2013 and it was after the death of Trayvon Martin and the acquittal of George Zimmerman. Trayvon Martin, an unarmed black teenager, was shot down by a white neighborhood watchman who claimed self-defense. The actual emergence of this term Black Lives Matter came from when George Zimmerman was acquitted. It was a, a discussion between Patrice Collins Khan and Alicia Garza on Facebook, uh, where one of them posted, why does black life not matter? And then this got turned into the hashtag and the movement and people were protesting. But it really came out of that, that very specific violence of the death of Trayvon Martin. That's Kayende Andrews, professor of black studies at Birmingham City University. Following the event stateside, it wasn't long before anti-racism groups also started to gain traction here in the UK. The BLM movement started in the UK in 2016 when the organisation BLM UK did a demonstration at an airport. Protesters with the campaign group Black Lives Matter UK had attached themselves to each other and a structure they'd brought with them. They reported across... That was the first time that we heard about the movement here. But ultimately, the hashtag Black Lives Matter has been circulating since 2013 in America. Black Lives Matter is very simple. It stands for equality and a stand against racism. No more, no less. As support for the Black Lives Matter movement has grown over the years, as have its differing ideologies, Black Lives Matter is a very particular movement, but then in the same way that Black Power is a broad thing, Black Lives Matter is a broad statement, which many, 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 many different groups have picked up, used, etc. So there is a confusion between that, that organisation and then the term that has been more picked up by the movement. The movement itself in the UK comprises of several ideologies. So as we know, due to media, we've been kind of told about the extremist views, such as abolition of police, removing the prisons and anti-capitalism. And that is very much associated with the ideologies of BLM UK. BLM UK, Black Lives Matter UK, is an activist group, not to be confused with the Black Lives Matter movement as a whole. It's a coalition of black activists that came together in 2016 in response to police brutality in the US and here in the UK. What a lot of people don't actually realise is BLM UK, the organisation, did not 
organise the BLM protests in the UK. So we have the BLM protests that were actually organised by different groups. We also have those that are non-political, that support the BLM movement, and they turned up in the thousands on the ground. And we also have those like myself who believe in reform. I found that those that believed in abolition, they were very much focused on just one institution, which is obviously policing. And I think that's due to the fact that they exhibit the more overt forms of racism, right? The things that we can see quite obviously, and so we can point them out and, and kind of focus on that institution as, as the baddies. But in actual fact, it is covert racism and institutionalized racism that is most prevalent here in the UK. In America, the violence is more extreme. There's more guns than people. So there's more examples of black people being killed by the police. And here you have the same problem. Black people are about three times overrepresented in suspicious deaths at the hands of the police. Again, you have a very similar, there's a grassroots movement against police brutality, things like the UFFC, United Friends of Family campaign in the UK, it's been campaigning for years. And then you do have an organization, Black Lives Matter. But then again, in the UK, the organization doesn't represent everybody who uses the term Black Lives Matter, which is applied to a much broader set of ideas. seconds. That's how long a Minneapolis police officer knelt on the neck of George Floyd. They murdered my brother. That was my oldest brother. I love him. I'm never going to get my brother back. He was arrested after a store clerk suspected he may have used a counterfeit $20 bill. Among his final words were, I can't breathe and don't kill me. This was not just a tragedy. It was a crime. Lives like George will not matter until somebody pays the cost for taking their lives. I was utterly mortified, heartbroken. And I officially felt like no one was listening to us, no one was hearing us. It was officially at this point where black lives didn't matter. This may have been a watershed for many white people, but this ain't watershed for black people. Like this, this is something that we experience all the time, right? One of the things that struck me in the media coverage, it was almost as this was the first time this had happened. I mean, 2016, there were massive protests because of the deaths of Fernando Castile and Alton Sterling, um, one of which was bleeding out on Facebook Live. And there were huge protests, but it was just all black people at <laughs> those protests. It didn't break through uh, into the kind of mainstream. The, the thing that's different is the widespread attention that was brought to this issue. But I would say for most black people, this was not something that we were A, surprised about at all, because this is, this is something that happens pretty regularly, I'd say. It's one of the things about the killing of George Floyd. It is so openly brutal in a way that it's, 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 a, it's very difficult to make arguments that it's not racist although i have heard many arguments it's not racist but it's so obvious you watch it for nine minutes it's brutal the man's just literally being murdered in front of us i think that is important um because there is no black and white there there is very difficult to have a black and white here it's just everybody says it's bad and you can't turn away so i think that's important and i think but i think that also shows us the problems with how we deal with racism right we need to see incontrovertible evidence in front of our eyes or we don't think about it as being racist. And that's massively problematic. 
The growing outrage in Minneapolis, protesters clashing with officers in the streets over the death of a black man in police custody. As outrage spreads over the killing of George Floyd in the U.S., protesters have taken to the streets around the world. Following the murder of George Floyd, worldwide protests in support of Black Lives Matter sprung up across the globe. I watched the murder of George Floyd via WhatsApp video in my kind of depressed state for 24 hours. I couldn't shake my sadness, and so my mum actually told me to go out and take a walk. It's sunny. Just go out, shake off your mood, go for a walk. And in doing that, I walked down Pagai Street, and then I see a horde of people walking towards me, chanting, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And I literally felt as if the universe was speaking to me. And at that moment, I jumped over roadworks and I joined that protest in Peckham. Black Lives Matter! In England, Amman led key protests through the capital, marching alongside the actor John Boyega and recording artist Madonna. Worldwide, thousands of protesters came together during the initial wave of the pandemic to show solidarity with US protesters and to demand change in their own countries. These protests were the largest of their kind in recent years. A lot of people were going through a really hard time during COVID. And so a lot of people ended up watching that video and had the time to sit in their empathy, had the time to sit in their introspection and look at life and look at their own life and their own ideologies and their own values. And I think that played a massive part to why so many people were galvanised. As we know, there have been countless incidences of police brutality and deaths of black people, and yet we've never seen, or in this generation hasn't quite seen the, the momentum that we've seen during the BLM movement. So again, I, I bring it back to COVID lockdown definitely played a part as to why there were so many people out on the streets marching. If I'm being really cynical, if we weren't in a lockdown and we had other things to do, would this killing have had the same impact? I strongly doubt it. Because as I said, it isn't that much different than what happened in 2016. So I think actually the fact that we're at home and we're in lockdown and there's not much else going on, it's probably the main contributing factor to why it really broke through when other things happened. Still to come on The Smarter 7, the emergence of defund the police, why footballers are taking the knee, and we ask what's actually been achieved since the height of the protests. Right after this. Welcome back to The Smarter 7. If you've just stumbled across us, you might like to give us a follow. We bring you the world's seven biggest stories in under seven minutes every day at 7am. Out of the widespread protests, amongst chants for equality, were calls to defund the police. It has become a phrase tied to the movement, but what does it actually mean, especially here in the UK? So the first thing I have to say is the term defund the police is specific to the USA. The way in which America funds its policing is completely different to the way in which we fund policing here in the UK, right? So the rationale behind defund the police is that instead of America pouring loads of money into policing, instead that money should be used to try to tackle or combat or prevent the causes, the root causes of crime, right? Such as poverty, 
housing, drug abuse, etc. In other words, what ultimately means is let's try to prevent as opposed to just focusing on the cure. So defund the police is a not a radical idea, it's a pretty straightforward idea. This is actually why are we giving this amount of money to the police? That money should go into community organisations, go into making sure that people can, can eat, etc, etc. And it's as simple as that, really. And if we really put that statement into context here in the UK, there is a certain amount of truth with that statement. For example, there was a budget of £21 billion for policing services in the UK. I would say if, if we as a society can spend £21 billion on policing, we can spend £21 billion on homelessness, £21 billion on housing, £21 billion on poverty. And look, the, all the evidence here is very, very, very clear. More police does not solve any of the problems of crime. Never has done, never, never will. What does solve crime is when you reduce inequality. So it's a pretty straightforward argument to say, well, look, let's start wasting money on the police um, and actually put money into reducing inequality. And this would actually be a better way to deal with the problem which we're supposed to be addressing. During the height of the Black Lives Matter protests, one divisive gesture in particular began to spread, taking the knee. NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick popularised the gesture as a protest against the police brutality and racism that we saw in 2016. And as a result, he faced fierce backlash that cost him his athletic career. Here in the UK, taking the knee is most visibly seen in English football. Throughout the Euro 2020 tournament, the team chose to take the knee before matches to show their commitment to anti-racism. However, the gesture has been criticised by some, including Home Secretary Priti Patel. I just don't support, you know, people participating in, you know, that type of gesture, gesture politics as a So the taking of the knee is an anti-racism statement and it actually originated back in America in 1965 when Martin Luther King took the knee at the Salma, Alabama march. Like an idea whose time has come. Yes, sir. yes, sir. Not even the marching of mighty armies can halt us. Yes, sir. We are moving to the land of freedom. Yes. And so what he was doing was standing against racism, or rather taking the knee against racism. So it's an anti-racism racism statement. It has nothing to do with the abolition of institutions has nothing to do with defunding police. So what's happened now is because we had all this attention driven on the Black Lives Matter, uh, sports stars were saying that we have to show solidarity, use our platform to show some solidarity. So you see it across basketball, now you're seeing it in football. It's essentially, it's a, it's a way of showing solidarity and keeping attention on the focus, which is to say that Black Lives should matter. It's been a year and a half since the start of the 2020 protests. But where are we now? Thousands of people came out to show their support for the movement. But has any significant progress been made to address inequality and police brutality? No significant progress whatsoever has been made anywhere in the world on the issue of police brutality, unfortunately. People have said a lot of things, but actually if you, if you look at the actual issues, nothing, nothing's changed. And there's been a number of high-profile killings, particularly in the US, of black people since, right? And then nothing's happened. 
what has happened and what is positive is that that protest has mobilized a generation of young people, particularly young black people, who are making demands, who do want to make change, who aren't satisfied. It's put momentum to that. And that momentum hasn't gone down at all. That momentum is still there. But that really does actually, in the end, uh, get the changes that we need. So I think that as a society, due to the BLM movement, we now have a greater level of consciousness. I think that it's led to more openness and more kind of a, a willingness, I would say, a willingness to, to learn and to have awkward and uncomfortable conversations. It's also led to a lot of confidence and black pride, which is really important for our self-esteem as a, as a people. But on a tangible level, I think if you ask the average black person, has their life changed after the BLM movement? I think the average person would probably say no. And that's due to the fact that most organizations are not actually implementing procedures, implementing strategies, um, implementing policies that actually monitor, identify racial disparities and counter those issues. We are yet to get to the point where we are actually achieving tangible change, where we are actually fixing these racial disparities, uh, whether they may be in policing or in, in the education system or wherever they may lie, we are yet to actually tackle those racial disparities. This has been The Smarter 7, a bonus episode to get you up to speed on big and often complex stories. The regular Smart 7 is published every day at 7am. Search and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris.